0: Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Our topic is going to be unity. Let's begin today in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants, and all my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the first verse is important for us to understand. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We find in this verse the concept of unity. Unity as a word has lost its meaning in many cases because it's used but not explained and in turn not understood. We constantly hear politicians say that we need unity. We hear church leaders say that we need to be united. But it's rare to see any explain what unity really is and what it looks like in practice. In America, unity is even in our name, the United States. Unity is built into the fabric of our nation. This is true of all nations across the world, even if unity is not expressly in their name. Unity is what keeps nations together. It keeps any group together. And this natural reality also has a parallel in the spiritual realm. The kingdom of God on this earth, the body of Christ, is scattered all across the world, on every continent, and in every nation. It's our unity that binds us together, just like any other group. Our strength and power as the body of Christ is found in our unity. We need to understand unity and see what it looks like lived out on a practical level. If we as the church utilize unity, we will find it to be one of our most valuable assets. Unity is defined as a noun, meaning the state of being one, oneness, agreement, uniformity, oneness of sentiment, affection, or behavior. This is where we find the importance of our unity as the body of Christ. We are each different and distinct members of the body, but we together make up the body as a whole. Being in a state of unity doesn't mean that we lose those qualities and attributes that make us different and that make us who we are. It means that we are one in those qualities that are necessary for our Christian faith, which as we saw earlier, are the areas of our lives having to do with our sentiment, affections, and behavior. These three elements are important for our study of unity. These three elements together show the degree of totality which unity needs to have in our lives. We find through these that when we are truly operating in unity, it has to do with our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. Unity by nature is comprehensive, and true unity utilizes every part of our being. The first element is affection. Affection has to do with our spirit. Affection is a noun, meaning passion, a permanent bent of the mind, in a more particular sense, a settled goodwill, love, or zealous attachment, as the affection of a parent for his child. It also means desire, inclination, propensity, good or evil, as virtuous or vile affections, in a general sense, an attribute, quality, or property, which is inseparable from its object, as love, fear, and hope are affections. Affections are spiritual. Love, fear, and hope are beyond emotions, which are part of our soul. They are spiritual in nature. We also find that affections are permanent and inseparable, which attest to their eternal nature as spiritual things. Natural things, to the contrary, are temporal in nature. We need to be united with our fellow Christians in our affections. The aspects of our lives that set us apart as Christians, such as our love and our joy, hope and peace. These should be present in every true Christian's life. When we have them, they produce passion and zeal, and if we use our passion and zeal correctly, we will produce spiritual fruit. John thirteen thirty five says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. People recognize unity. That's why it's so important that we are united in our affections. Philippians 2 and 2 says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love being of one accord, of one mind. The second element is sentiment. Sentiment has to do with our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Sentiment is a noun, derived from the Latin word sentio, meaning to feel, perceive, or think. It's defined as a thought prompted by passion or feeling. Thought, opinion, notion, judgment, a state of mind formed by deliberation or reasoning. This is dealing with mind, and will and emotions. We see that sentiments are informed by passion, which shows us why affections must come first. We have to be united in sentiment. We have to all be united in our knowledge of the scriptures and the opinions that we commonly hold as Christians. This may seem hard in the natural, but it's very possible in the Christian life. Philippians two and five says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We must remember when our mind is renewed, that we have the mind of Christ within us, along with all of our fellow believers. Similarly, once we are born again, we all have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit and our renewed mind together inform our thoughts and opinions and allows unity to be present amongst the body of Christ. 1 Peter 3 and 8 says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion, One of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. The third and last element is behavior. Behavior has to do with our body. Behavior is a noun meaning conduct, manners, carriage of oneself with respect to propriety or morals. It expresses external appearance or action. Behavior is of the body because it deals with what manifests outwardly and what is done physically. This fervor demonstrates the order, Our actions and behavior is informed by our sentiments, which are informed by our affections. It must be spirit, soul, and body, in that order. We have to be united in our actions. Our actions are what the world sees most clearly. Philippians 1 and 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving is an action. We have to be in one accord when it comes to our actions. If the body of Christ unites, there is no power in hell strong enough to stop us from doing amazing things for God. But we must stay united. Our power is in our unity, and that power is expressed most influentially through our actions and behavior. Many of us are united together through these three elements. But since we are in our fallen sinful state, we are never all perfectly united together in either affection, sentiment, or behavior. Perfect unity doesn't exist yet amongst these three elements in all Christians, but they will when Christ comes back to rule and reign. There are, however, two aspects where all Christians are perfectly united together. And these two aspects together make it possible for all of us to be united together as the body of Christ. Those two aspects are unity of faith and unity of spirit. These are the foundational unities of Christianity. Without faith and without the spirit, it's impossible to even be a Christian, which is why these are the two things that unite us together perfectly. These are the most fundamental parts of Christianity and the most precious things in the world that we can share with our fellow believers. We need to take a closer look at both of these. Noah Webster said, Unity of faith is an equal belief of the same truths of God and possession of the grace of faith in a like form and degree. We are all united together in faith because we all have faith. Some people may have more faith than others. Some may even have faith the gift of the Holy Spirit. But at the fundamental level, we all have some measure of faith. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, God has given each of us some amount of faith as a foundation to build off of, and it's this faith and the grace birthed within our life because of it that binds us together in unity. Ephesians chapter four verses eleven through thirteen say And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The greatest part of our unity of faith is that it doesn't keep us forever stagnant at the same level of faith. It frees us to grow and to mature together, and to the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's crucial for us to understand that our first fundamental unity as Christians is that of faith. The second thing that binds us all together in unity is the unity of the Spirit. Noah Webster said, Unity of Spirit is the oneness which subsists between Christ and his saints, by which the same Spirit dwells in both, and both have the same disposition and aims. And it is the oneness of Christians among themselves, united under the same head, having the same Spirit dwelling in them, and possessing the same graces. Our unity of the Spirit is rooted in the fact that once we are born again, we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, who guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit living within us influences every area of our lives and frees us to have those qualities and attributes that conform to those of Christ's character. This is one of the most important aspects of our Christian life. Ephesians 4 and 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit, Our unity of the Spirit, like our unity of faith, allows us to grow and mature into a greater and deeper understanding of the Spirit, and a greater and deeper operation in the Spirit. Over time, we then become filled with the Holy Ghost, and our life overflows with His power and love and grace. We must understand our unity in the Spirit. Let's go to the book of Judges, chapter 7. In the book of Judges, chapter seven, beginning in the first verse, it says, Then Jerubbabel, who was Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Harod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill Morah, in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lacked will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men, and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass, the same night, that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host for I have delivered it into thine hand. We find in this passage an example of unity lived out and exemplified in a practical way. When all the army was there, they weren't united together. They were doing everything differently. Since the power and strength of any group is found in their unity, their division was only going to work against them and make them weaker. In their divided state, if they won, they would interpret it as their own doing instead of as God's. Since this was the case, God chose 300 men out of the vast army who would be united. They would all seek after victory, fight for it, and give God the glory for it. We see here all three elements from earlier present. First, they were united in affection. They were willing to give God the glory for their victory. This was rooted in worship and love, love for God and love for their country. Secondly, they were unified in sentiment. They all shared the same goal and even shared the same way of thinking, evidenced in the way that they all drank from the river. This shared goal and way of thinking encompassed their mind, will, and emotions. Lastly, they were unified in behavior. After they were unified in affection and sentiment, that unity manifested in their behavior and actions. They listened to the commands of the Lord given to Gideon, and they went out and fought the battle, and by the power and the grace of God, They were able to overcome the enemy. God delivered the Midianites and the Amalekites into their hands. Unity made all the difference for Gideon's army. The same way that the Israelites operated in all three elements of unity, we need to do the same if we are to operate in true unity. We must go beyond the fundamentals of unity of faith and unity of spirit. We must be united in affection, sentiment, and behavior. And this starts with us. When we are united to this degree, we will be operating in true unity. Unity is the most influential and makes the deepest impact on others when it's manifested outwardly through our lives. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in the first verse. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Unity is God's will. He desires it for us. We see this in the way that he has established his kingdom. It is built around oneness. Jesus said in John 17:21 That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in Thee, That they all may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. This is part of God's will for our lives, to be united with our fellow believers in the body of Christ. Once we're operating in it, we're called to walk in it. The early saints did this. They put their unity into practice. Acts 4.32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common, in order for unity to be what it is. When walking in unity, there need to be at least two or more people involved. Otherwise, there's no one to be united to. Amos Free and Free says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? We need to be agreeable to our fellow believers and be like-minded with them, but we can't control others, so we need to look at what our role in unity is and then trust God to work in the hearts of others. Since this is the case, our role when it comes to unity is to stay united to Christ and to allow the Spirit to conform our mind and our character to that of Christ. We need to serve our function and play our role as individual members of the body. We need to align our affections and our sentiments and our behavior with Scripture and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit within us. Once we do, we will be playing our individual role in unity, and then God can work in the hearts of others to bring them into unity with us and in line with Scripture and with the Holy Spirit. Politicians and church leaders always talk about the need for unity. But more times than not, a call for unity is nothing more than a cliche empty of all meaning. This is not what God has called us to. God's will for us is a unity that is not just in words, but in action. A unity that is complete and comprehensive, encompassing our spirit, soul, and body. We need to operate in unity and live in it. If we all get and stay united in this way, we will be amazed at what we as the people of God are able to accomplish together through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12 and 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. The devil wants us divided, because divided we're weak, but division is not God's will for us. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Then, once we are united together, we will be able to say with David in Psalm 133 and 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that it is your will for us to be united with all of our fellow believers all around us and all across this world, Lord God. We thank you that you have set us apart and gave us this peculiar purpose for our lives that we have the ability to come together and to unite. And through the Holy Spirit, we can then do such amazing things that would be impossible for us to do had we been alone. And Lord, we thank you that we can be united in faith with all of our fellow believers and united through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you have given us with all of our fellow believers. And Lord, renew our minds and conform our hearts to be united in affection, sentiment, and behavior, Lord God. Give us that comprehensive unity that only you are able to give us. And Lord, continually change us and mold us into who you want us to be and help us to be the best and greatest person that we can be in the body of Christ. And Lord, allow unity to begin with us and give us the heart that desires unity more than anything. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise, Lord, and we worship and we love and adore your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be truly united and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.